Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for insightful, informative, and inspiring conversations with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. Today, Karen continues her six interview series on attachment and expressive arts therapies. She welcomes two guests, Linda Homeyer and Marshall Lyles, to discuss Zantray therapy. Part two will be released on March 15th. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock. And today we are going to continue our series on the podcast, Expressive Arts Therapy and Attachment-Based Work. This is actually going to be interview number five in our six interview series. And we have just been getting so much positive feedback about this series. And it's been a real thrill for me to conduct these interviews with some of the most amazing therapists out there. So let me tell you who we're going to be talking to today. We're going to have double the fun that we usually have because I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Linda Holmeyer and Marshall Lyles today. They're going to be discussing their new book, Advanced Sand Tray Therapy, Digging Deeper into Clinical Practice, which is a book I would encourage all of you to check out. So let me tell you a little bit about Linda Holmeyer, although for anyone who practices sand tray therapy, she needs no introduction. Um, she is a play therapist, a sand tray therapist, an author, and uh, also was a professor at Texas State University. She actually wrote Sand Tray Therapy, a practical manual, which is now in its third edition. She wrote that with Daniel Sweeney. And I think a lot of Sand Tray therapists see that as the Bible of Sand Tray. It is just one of the first books anybody ever recommends to anybody who's interesting in learning about sand tray therapy. So after 30 years of practice, Dr. Holmeyer is now semi-retired, but she continues to write and play in the clay in Texas. My second guest is Marshall Lyles. And Marshall has been on the podcast before. Marshall is such a beautiful soul. I so admire the work that he is putting out there into the world, not just in sand tray therapy, but also he does training related to EMDR. And he also does training and his own work related to using poetry in therapy. So let me tell you a little bit about him. He's an LPC and an LPC supervisor, an LMFT, RPTS, as is Linda as well, and an Emdria approved consultant. He's been practicing family and play therapy for 20 years. And he has a very strong focus on attachment and trauma. He uh, does also consultation for Santray therapy within a trauma-informed context. So I also know that Marshall, on top of all of that, he truly is an artist. He uh, does create uh, Santray miniatures. He has a, a business doing that. 
um, Marshall's Miniatures, I believe it's called. So that would be something else for everyone to look up. Just please don't move because this interview with these two wonderful folks is going to be coming right up and I'm so excited to share it with you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. This is another interview in our series about using the expressive arts in attachment-based therapy. And I am welcoming to the podcast today, Marshall Lyles and Linda Homeyer, who are going to be talking with us about sand tray therapy. Thank you guys so much for being on today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes. Yes. Well, I know that your names are already familiar to many, many folks out there who are working with children, who are play therapists, who are maybe working in the field of attachment. Um, So I know you're familiar to many, but I wondered if each of you could just share a, a little informally about yourselves and how you got on the path of even using sand tray therapy. Linda, maybe if you could start us off. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you for having me today. I, um, I'm honored to be here and to participate um, with both of you. So um, <clears throat> I originally started sand tray therapy when I was at a doctoral student at the University of North Texas, where I was studying play therapy with Gary Landris. So. I definitely have my strong roots in play therapy. Um, And then when I was doing my doctoral internship, my supervisor was Dr. Sue Bratton. And the clinic that we had on campus had a sand tray room. And so curious, what is that? And how do I do that? And what's this all about? Well, back then there was not much written about how to do all of that other Uh than which, which you took care of that. We, we'll get to that in a minute, but yes. <laughs> well, but that's that was it. There was a lot written about door called sand play, but I'm yes. not a depth psychologist. That's not, I'm Adlerian, and so a humanistic perspective. And so um, <clears throat> I just did it really within the framework and supervision of it being um, like an older form of play therapy. So mm-hmm. using it with older kids who kind of aged out of the typical playroom and then with couples and adults. So I just really started using it. So it's always been framed in my mind really as a form of, of play therapy, which really it comes out of um, Margaret Lowenthal's development of play therapy and the world technique she developed and was all part of that anyway. So. So many years and kind of just continue to follow through throughout my career. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine you first seeing that room and thinking, you know, what, what about all of this? Yeah. 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 So, so Marshall, you know, how about you? What is your, your sand story? (laughs) I, I first got exposed in my master's program to um, Santre and the, I, I was trying to explain to someone the other day that 
it somehow just made sense to me, like some instinct kicked in where even though it, it wasn't a massive part of the program where I was, my hands, my spirit knew how to be in this room in a different way than all the other rooms. And I, I mean, years later, I figured out that I think it's just because of metaphor and my relationship to metaphor and how, how helpful that is, but it was awakened in me early on. But, uh, when I got out of grad school and was doing my internship hours, I was working at a children's home and my clinical supervisor had been trained by Linda had been a supervisee of Linda's at one point. And, and so it was a very prominent part of the work, um, both at the children's home and then in the women's shelter where she was centered and there was Santre rooms. And so I first was using Santre with, again, with teenagers, but then also um, adoptive parents and bio parents who were working through unification, women who had come out of violent situations and were trying to recenter, learning how to use it as an education tool and running parenting groups. So I I was immersed in it in, in that form before then moving it into the later attachment understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's good hearing about that from both of you. You know, one of the things that is really sticking out with what you said, Linda, is it expands the opportunity for play to all ages. Um, and I, I really like that because really play therapy and tying in Marshall to what you just said, traditional play therapy is a lot about the use of metaphor. Right. Um, but what the materials used in the typical playroom, you know, are not things that some adults are going to feel as comfortable with or drawn to or, or whatever. They're going to have maybe defenses about um, some of the toys. Um, and so I really like how you said that because it sort of t- is a new take on the use of play and metaphor that that is acceptable that, well, I know some people have some reservation when when they see the sand and things, but I mean, overall, it feels more, let's say, age appropriate for anyone. Would you say? Yeah, definitely. And, And I think that's what makes, also makes family therapy so effective because children are very comfortable around toys and they love miniature toys. Yes. You know, then the parents um, can join in easily. And like Marshall was saying, not being dependent on talking all the time. And so it's just, I think once you get the grownups or even some teenagers over the hump of this looks childish, then um, it becomes so, so incredibly effective for them. Yes, yes, yeah. So one of the things that I'm thinking about um, already is how the sand accesses implicit versus explicit memory. And I think that that's something that will be important for us to talk about. Um, But before we get to that, could one of you just share like, If I had to give a few sentences on the basic theory of what in the world we're doing, we have these 
miniatures or some people like to call them images or, or whatever. I find the images really confusing because images to me is a, a photograph or a picture. Oh. So, um, yeah. but anyway, so, and, and you have this tray with sand in it. Did, did, could one of you give the elevator speech on <laughs> what is sand tray therapy for listeners who just are completely unfamiliar with it? Go for it, Marshall. Sure. Okay. Um, Sentry therapy is um, a way to honor both nonverbal and verbal parts of self um, through um, the metaphor of being contained while exploring worlds that you get to have influence over um, versus worlds that feel like they've only ever overpowered you. Mm. And so it can be more rooted in um, non-directive um, energetic work, or it can move towards um, directive expressions of, of therapy. But the primary basis that they all have in common are the materials of the tray, the sand, the water, the figures, and then the methodology of being able to respect the unfolding story that the client creates without having to rush past the metaphor that they're needing to hold in mind. Uh, so we learn to privilege curiosity over interpretation. Yes. Wow. Such an important point because um, Marshall knows this, but Linda, you may not know that I am myself in the process of, of learning how to, to use uh, sand tray therapy. And um, yeah, it when I first thought I was learning about this, I thought, okay, somebody's going to take stuff off the shelf and put it in sand. And then in this, and then there's going to be like things that each thing they put in the sand has a hidden meaning. And then I'll just like know everything going on inside of them. <laughs> well, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I actually, th I actually thought I yeah. have never, honestly, it's a little yeah. embarrassing now. I never even considered how they chose what they chose, like as they stand up, what they're looking at, what they're picking, what they might pick and then put back and that all that whole process. And then the whole process of how it is placed in the sand. Um, it, and if it's moved around or if it, you know, all I was just like, you stick these things in the sand and then we kind of see what it means. Maybe if you're stuck, you send a picture of the stuff in the sand to some expert and then they'll tell you what it means. <laughs> Well, and I, I think something you mentioned, Karen, is one of the things I love about Santray is that clients can move things around. Yeah. You know, when they're doing a collage or artwork or something, it's pretty static once it's done. Yes. But yes. Um, I I like there's a the phrase symbol work, which was coined by some folks in Australia. And I love that phrase because the symbols that the figures, they can move them around, they can talk to each other, they can leave the tray, something else can come into the tray. So it's very dynamic, should a yes. client choose to do it that way. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's my favorite part too, Linda, because there, there's an order for us to heal, we have to have the courage to experiment with trying on something new, right. with having a new meaning. And, and it's really scary to, for a lot of people to experiment because they're having to let those protectors down that have been doing the same role for a really long time. So in order to have this 
this externalized way, this concrete thing where you get to practice trying on a new meaning without the pressure of that having to feel too personal, too quick. It's, it's very safety generating. Yeah. And as an Adlerian, you know, acting as if is a technique or a concept. And so, and that can expand into like solution focused and other kinds of approaches, but but you're right, they can act as if, act as if you can manage the bully at school or the boss at work or, you know, so you're right, they can try out these behaviors in this externalized format with these little figures that they're ter- totally in control of. Yes, and so um, the other thing, just for this segment of what we're talking about, there are prompts. Right. Uh, sometimes not. I mean, maybe depending on your your philosophy. I guess sometimes I think of Sandra, you might be trained in an overall philosophy such as Adlerian or such as um, child centered therapy approaches mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or and some of that. So, so then there's some important things to understand about Santre, but it also then kind of comes under that overall theoretical umbrella that you're trained in. Would that be a good way to say that or no? Please push back. You guys, like, <laughs> I, I'm the novice here. If I'm saying it's like, oh, Karen, you have that so wrong. <laughs> feel I'll just say you have it so right. Okay. <laughs> but, but, and you're right. So it, So we all, there's always some prompt. It might be how directive or non-directive is the prompt. It might simply be build a scene in the sand or create your world in the sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes clients come and they don't need a prompt. They just go right to it. Mm-hmm. It's like Marshall was saying earlier about just as soon as he saw it, he was like intuitively like at home, you know. Um, but others that are very directive, like solution focused in some phases of Adlerian might be very directive. It might be build a scene in the sand of what it's like when you visit your dad's house on the weekend. Hmm. Or as you talk about attachment here in a little bit, uh, Marsha can address that, but it can be, there could be prompts that would really focus in on an area um, of attachment that you're working in. And so it, it, it's very flexible. And that's part of the fun of it is it can be used and the materials themselves can be used in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add anything to that, Marshall? No, I love everything. I loved that whole thing. I forgot that I was a participant for a moment. <laughs> I was taking notes. <laughs> it was great, wasn't it? Yes. So, um, to talk about um and this this relates to attachment and trauma so maybe we're beginning to bridge some of the specifics of that but i mentioned it earlier the implicit versus explicit memory and even the unconscious and you know we are learning now in the, the trauma literature that when we experience some something traumatic, some, our brain goes off. The language, the verbal language part of our brain 
goes online. Like I used to teach if it, if it was like pre-verbal trauma, then you don't have words for it. And then later I began to realize, no, when you're terrified, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're not going to be able to hang on to words. And so we know, you know, we're hearing a lot in the trauma literature about, you know, implicit memory, things that are held in your body that you can't find words for. Um, and, uh, I, Hopefully you don't think this is too much of a leap. I feel like this, that, that working in the sand accesses that because you don't have to use words. And for me, I'm going to share a personal experience. Um, sometimes if we're going to like explore a new approach at Chadock or, or wherever, where I work, I think it's good if you can experience some of that yourself mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, so so we had a therapist that had quite a bit of training in, in sand tray therapy. And I did a tray with her. I really did not intend to be real vulnerable and reveal a whole lot. And <laughs> you, you guys know where I'm going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so I, you know, just did this tray and that I thought was just like a happy, well-adjusted therapist tray. And <laughs> so she, she just starts pointing out like really simple things about where things are placed and, you know, who's there and who's not, which by the way, was totally unconscious to me until she pointed it out and so after that i came up with this slogan called where i would say you can't hide in the sand and i'm probably not the first to say that but i was like that's really powerful because i am really good at presenting the way i want to present and you know uh, hiding things if i want to <laughs> but that did not work in the Right. So I thought this is probably really opening up into such a space that is so implicit and unspoken and how great that would be for our kids. So yeah. thoughts just, on any of a, that. Just quick quote that I love. Um, Edith Kramer, who is identified as the founder of children's art therapy, um, one of her favorite quotes is children betray themselves in their artwork. And oh. I liken that to sand tray as well. We all betray ourselves in the sand tray. Yeah. 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 Or we all become truth tellers. Yeah. You know that that implicit versus explicit dialogue you brought up, Karen, is is so powerful because those implicitly held memory networks, especially if they're if they're kind of or formed in in the spirit of aloneness and pain, that they're not time stamped, we know, and they're insulated from other parts of self. And so these these fragile networks are living outside of awareness of each other. And so our, as Bonnie Badnock would say, our own inner community doesn't have the benefit of each other's support. And, and yet there's this thing because in Santre, it's, it's so nonverbal and it's so sensory and imagery grounded. The, those implicit memory networks start to show up and these parts of ourself get to be witnessed by this co-regulated other, but they also get to witness each other. And there, there's something about being in the midst of that, that the, the energy and the momentum starts to take forward. So a, a skilled Santre therapist, part of being well-trained and getting your consultation is to be able to handle those moments 
um, those emerging awarenesses uh, with regulation because it's so beautiful and it's so vulnerable that it can be a slippery kind of power um, that that can lead to too much awareness if if we're not really well prepared for how to hold that space and return to metaphor and and move back to the sand and use all of our tools that we might need to stay grounded. Yeah, you bring up some really good points, um, really important points, just in terms of ethics of this you know um i remember when i first learned theraplay it sort of felt like this is a horrible thing to say but it's such a strong tool that it's sort of like you could go for the jugular you don't want to go for the jugular (laughs) like that is not what you want to do like it's you could and like really dysregulate somebody but the art of it is to pace and visit things in a way that the person does not totally fly out of their window of tolerance and i think that that the the sand and the use of metaphor allows us to really titrate some of this at a pace if you if the if the sanitary person is skilled enough at a pace that the individual you're working with can take in and can yeah. begin to integrate. That's part of in in Linda then the the first book she wrote the sanitary therapy practical manual with with Daniel Sweeney involved in the very definition of sanitary is the word unfolding. Mm. That it, it's meant to come in time. And it's my favorite word, Linda, in that definition. Unfolding, unfolding. As opposed to here's the reveal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's just let's just rip all the bandages and coping mechanism right <laughs> off you all at once. Yes. Hey, well, thank you so much for this conversation so far. Listeners, I hope you will join us for our next episode next week as we continue our conversation with Marshall Lyles and and Dr. Linda Holmeyer about the use of sand tray in attachment work. So please come back and join us next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchattock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchattock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.